All right, everybody, welcome in to this week's edition of the 3ND Podcast. It's part of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Hogan. You can find me on Twitter at NotTheGolfer. You find the podcast and the, all the Grizzly Bear Blues podcasts on anywhere you can find podcasts. Starting five, core four, long view with Parker Fleming and GBB Live with Joe Molinax are the other podcasts a part of the network. Joining me this week on the 3ND Pod, he is the producer of Rise and Grind. He is a part of the Odds Couple. He's HBCU Huddle. He does the infield fly. He does a little bit of everything over at Grind City Media. He is CJ Hurt. CJ. What up, Hogan? What's going on, man? I'm glad. Man, I can't call it. You named everything almost. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's everything. That's all I'm claiming. Uh, those, those four are the ones that I claim. I fill in and do a lot of other stuff, but that's, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, man, you're uh, you're in a little bit of everything over there yeah. at uh, Grind City Media, doing a great job. Love checking you guys out. Love uh, working with you all sometimes at the Grizzlies games as well. Yeah. How, how is it over there being, you know, early in the morning? Uh, early in the morning is, it's so weird because I get there before everybody else. Right. And then my day is, as far as being at the office, my day is kind of sort of done not kind of sort of my day is definitely done before everybody else's but then we all meet back up at at the games you know so I, I might be at a Grizzlies game after leaving work at two everybody else just stayed all the way through ran into a bunch of people at the hustle game as well which you hadn't been to a hustle game you need to go check that out it's a lot of fun um but yeah man it's being up that early I get to come in and kind of set the tempo and the pace of the day for everybody else, kind of, sort of. Not really. They don't even know that I'll be there. But that's a lot I tell myself. <laughs> but you've always kind of been an early riser, though. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah you I know, know. Flint, working working at Flynn, you, you got to be up, uh, be at the station about 5, 35, 40 to get everything set up for the day because the shows start at 6. And when they start, they don't stop, baby. They just keep rolling. So, yeah, nope. being up early doesn't you. bother me. And they depend on you to get everything started too. Yep. So they yep. don't start without you, but uh, <laughs> you know, you, you got to be there on time. They will know if they don't start. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Let's uh, let's talk Grizzlies. We got a big week ahead. I know that uh, if you're listening to this podcast, it's, it's Tuesday. So tomorrow, it's a big day for the Grizzlies. Uh, yeah. Not only are the Brooklyn Nets in town, but Basically, so is all of ESPN, it feels like. Uh, mm-hmm. ESPN dedicating the entire day to the Grizzlies. Uh, they'll have an, a who's who lineup of everybody at ESPN. You're going to have Jalen Rose, Stephen A. Smith, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. You're expected to see a lot of people at FedEx Forum setting up for the game uh, against the Brooklyn Nets. Is there kind of a buzz going around FedEx Forum and you know all of oh, Bryan yeah. City for this week? Oh, absolutely there is. And there's there's been a buzz since it was announced. And you got to think about it. Teams like the Grizzlies don't usually get this type of treatment. You no. know, this this is a, a small market team. Yes, there's a, a budding superstar, if not already a superstar in John Morant. But it's not often that ESPN sends everybody on that sports' coverage team to one spot. You know, sometimes it is, okay, hey, We'll, we'll do something in Dallas with the NFL because the Cowboys are there. Or sometimes it is, hey, since we're so close to New York City, we'll, we'll send MLB folks up to New York for, for a big-time Yankees 
showdown or what have you. It's very, very rarely do we get uh, the this type of attention, not just in Memphis, but for small markets in general. Like I can't, I can't think. You know, the Oklahoma City Thunder had Kevin Durant and James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and I don't remember ESPN being like, "Yo, we we just got to get there." Even when uh, James Harden left, it was still Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka was on that team, like a really, really good team with a couple of dudes you knew were going to be legit superstars. And I don't remember them getting something like this. I applaud ESPN for shining a, a light on a smaller market, a less glamorous market. But this comes down to, you know, John Morant. John Morant is bringing these people people through because he is such a, a must-see type of dude when you look at not just the numbers when the Grizzlies are on national television, but you look at the social media numbers as well, how he's driving that um, for, for the NBA. So great that ESPN is here, but let's not get it twisted. They are here because John Morant is that dude right now. Yeah, and it, but it is it is an all hands on deck situation uh, for ESPN. I mean, they're bringing their mm-hmm. A team with the NBA as well. You got Mike Breen, you got Hubie Brown, you got Malik, yes, Malik Andrews. So you got everybody on the uh, on the call for the Grizzlies. So it should be a it should be a fun time at FedEx Forum. And you know, we do have the best uh, TV broadcast in the business ourselves. Yeah. We're, we're spoiled with Pete and Brevin and, and Fish. But it is also nice to see uh, those other people, the 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 I guess the national people, come down and uh, get a little bit of that because you know we always talk about the disrespect the Grizzlies get, especially being in a small market. And now it's now is the time. Like this is something that we've really never seen before. I mean, we had the grit grind era. People were paying attention. You know, it was kind of the underrated. We were getting we were getting some love. You know, you know Charles Barkley loved us because that's the way he played. And then. Zach Lowe, like he was the one that was writing these like analytic pieces that kind of propelled Mark Gasol to that de- defensive player of the year when he won that. Mm-hmm. And, but it, it was kind of like, you know, they're fun to, they're fun to root for. They're a good story, but they're not as much fun as John Morant. I'll, I'll, I'll have to say that <laughs> because everybody, <laughs> I'm just saying like, we appreciated the great grind, yeah, but it was ugly basketball. Yeah. John we, Morant, we. like you never know what he's going to do in the next game. Yeah, Memphis embraced that sort of basketball because it was Memphis's team. Right. And it was it was successful and it was fun to get under the skins of more glamorous teams. Think about Lob City, the Lob City Clippers, right? Yeah. It, it was more fun, not more fun, it was fun getting underneath the skin of these people who want to get out, out athletes, you run up and down the court. Uh, have really explosive offenses and so-so defenses really struggle in the half court with the shot clock waning down like that. That was fun for this city because there was success to it. Right. This basketball is just fun. Success is there also. Success always makes the, the style of play a bit more fun. But listen, man, the, the way they are catching lobs and finishing at the rim, the, the spectacular things Job Morant does, with his handles. You got Jaron Jackson Jr., somebody who I think might be legit seven foot, shot faking and pitting the ball on the floor, going past dude, Euro stepping, finishing at the rim. Steven Adams and, and some of the passes he makes going back door, not to mention the, the full court lob pass to John Morant for that, that buzzer beater, right? You are getting more Grizzlies highlights in a game um, right now than most teams get in a week, a month, some of them a whole season. When you, when you stop and think about it, it's 
it's a lot of fun watching these Grizzlies play. And it certainly helps that they are playing a fun style of basketball and winning a bunch of games. You got the two go hand in hand. You can't just be fun and losing and you don't want to be really good and kind of not fun. Otherwise the attention doesn't come to you the way the attention is coming to, to this Grizzlies team with ESPN bringing everybody down for the Brooklyn Nets game. Now we're talking about uh, the, the media coverage the Grizzlies are getting. And when you have a player like John Morant and this style of basketball, you get a lot of people that fall in love with your team. I mean, Kendrick Perkins has been on top of it basically since mm-hmm. the get go. I mean, he's been very big on promoting Ja and talking about all these guys and everything, but you also get some things like uh, Stan Van Gundy tweeted over the weekend, you know, the, after the win against Houston on Sunday, it was like, well, the Grizzlies, they didn't have John Morant, but they're 14 and two without John Morant. And he just tweeted out like, you know, yeah. Hey, you know, the Grizzlies are with 14 and two without John Morant and they're winning big. And, you know, they're easily the most dominant team in the league without John Morant. And obviously when you, when you do Twitter and you tweet something out, there's no tone to it. There's no, you know, there's, yeah. you can't really convey your message sometimes. Do you think that was one that he's trying to prove a point that, uh, you know, John Morant's not that important to the team, or do you think he's just saying that like the Grizzlies are scary no matter who's out there for him? Uh, Because there's no tone. I I take it as a ladder, right? I think that it is people marvel when you are successful without the stud. You know, John Morant very clearly is that guy for the Grizzlies. John Morant very clearly is one of the best players in the whole NBA in, in a very short amount of time. So you would you would imagine, hey, this team is built around Jot, and it is. Um, you would imagine that they would struggle a bit with no Morant in the lineup, and for them to be fourteen and two, I think we we get national media and fans, myself included, kind of just marvel at the fact that this team is still able to find a way to get the job done without John Morant on the court, without all the the spectacular plays that he brings, without him setting up the, the offense and truly setting the tone and the tempo for the team. That's what I think Stan Van met by, by the tweet. Um, but that could again be just because that's how I feel about the 14 and two, you right. know, somebody very easily on the other side could say, Hey, 14 and two shows John Morant's not MVP or John Morant's not that important to the team. Why you would feel that way is a you problem, not a Stan Van problem. <laughs> right. Like that, that is you with the backwards thought. Not Stan Van Gundy. That's not what he's saying. He's just, hey, here's the stat without John Morant. You make of it what you will. I would, uh, I will take John Morant rather than not having John Morant. I'm gonna just yeah, put it at that. Most people would, Hogan. Exactly, exactly. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Grizzlies' success. Not only with, you know, they haven't been playing the best teams. A lot of the team, the good teams were missing guys. I think Philly was missing uh, Embiid when they beat them. Uh, I think. There were a few other ones in which uh, Dallas was missing Luca, So there's a lot of things that go into that to make that work. But also the play of Tyus Jones and Desmond mm-hmm. Bain and the games in which uh, Jaws missed, I think those two, two guys have stepped up more than more than anybody. I mean, Tyus Jones is kind of having a, uh, I would say a career year uh, being mm-hmm. the backup for the Grizzlies as he stepped in and the Grizzlies offense really doesn't miss a beat. I mean, there's a different feel to the offense when it's Tyus over Ja, obviously, but it feels like the offense keeps flowing. You know, Desmond Baines getting his shots and Dylan Brooks, who's just recently returned, he's getting his and, 
you know, everything like that. So it kind of feels like Tyus Jones is able to just step in and the Grizzlies offense keeps humming. Yeah, absolutely. And this is is why you want a, a dude like Tyus on the team, because he does step in and keep the offense going. And you love watching John Morant play because he gets downhill and gets in that paint and he's going to finish at the rim. Well, Tyus, not, not the athlete that Ja is, and that's not an insult to Tyus. He's just not. Tyus can get into the paint as well, though. When he gets into the paint, somebody else is going to finish. Somebody else is going to dunk on you. Somebody else is catching the lob. Somebody else is standing open at three. You know, this is a very, uh, for their age, you know, they're, they're really young, but this is a very, very crafty, wily sort of team. And Tyus Jones exemplifies that to perfection, where he just finds a way to make the play. He's not jumping over you. He's not blowing by you that damn fast. You're definitely going to be able to help and recover. But he finds a way to make the next pass. And from that, that sets up the rest of the offense. Once Tyus gets by you, once Tyus makes that first pass, it is boom. Now, is this guy open? Okay, here comes the rotation. Swing it, swing it, swing it. Somebody's wide the hell open somewhere. Like that, that is what Tyus Jones means to, to the team and why this team continues to roll, even though John Morant uh, hadn't been on the court for 16 games. Yeah, and, and you, you talked about the way this team is constructed being very young, but they're also very mature. And I think that's uh, mm-hmm. when Ja's out, the roles kind of change just a little bit. I think when Ja, it feels this way when Ja's playing, it's like they're not all staying around waiting for Ja to do something. Yeah. They kind of understand like, all right, well, let's see what Ja feels on this offense. And then they kind of react and respond to it. I mean, they'll run their offense and everything. And, you know, sometimes they'll run it through Steven Adams and, you know, he's got that and he'll, he'll make a dump off pass and everything like Which, that. But, Hogan, I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, you're fine. Can we, can we talk about this version of Steven Adams and yeah. how much I enjoyed this version of Steven <laughs> Adams? Well, we were robbed of this. This is, this should be an NBA sin right here. To have a dude like Steven Adams, who is capable of, of making great passes out of the post, of, of not just setting solid screens and just standing there hunting screens down, but setting screens rolling, finishing at the rim, chasing down offensive rebounds. Like we, we were robbed. Steven Adams makes some amazing backdoor passes. And every time he does it, I think, damn, why didn't he do this more in Oklahoma City, damn it? Right. Like why, why couldn't he, why didn't they use him more like this in New Orleans? This Steven Adams is one of the better playmaking bigs in the NBA. And I have to believe, Ben, that he is a step or two outside of his prime. So imagine him being in his prime, having these types of playmaking skills. Maybe just maybe you don't blow that lead to the, to the Warriors 3-1 the year before Kevin Durant leaves, right? Like you, you got that dude there to help facilitate an offense for, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Maybe it's just maybe. It's not, hey, throw the ball to Kevin Durant, let him go one-on-one. Throw the ball to Russell Westbrook, let him go to one-on-one. Maybe you could throw the ball to Stephen Adams back in this this scenario. Uh, back in this scenario. I'm so excited about Stephen Adams, I can't talk. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, you throw the ball to Stephen Adams in the high post and you let dudes move and cut off of Stephen Adams so you get better shots, open shots. I can't imagine that that uh, Golden State had anybody who could guard this version of Stephen Adams, right? So you create more easy opportunities for your two stars in, in Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And who knows? Maybe everybody's still in Oklahoma City then. I, I don't know I'm if just everybody's saying. in Oklahoma City. I, I think 
Russell and Duran, I don't think would have been able to last this long in Oklahoma City together. But it, I mean, it is a it is a decent thought. With the playmaking Stephen Adams, though, like maybe, maybe. Serge Ibaka's running around out there. Yeah, like, Thabo Sefalosha is still starting in an NBA. <laughs> Where's Sefalosha? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but no, uh, you got to give credit to Taylor Jenkins on that too, because it yeah. seems like he's been able to unlock the the strengths of every player on this team, finding out exactly what they can bring to this offense and kind of make it piece by piece and work it together. We still see some funky lineups out there every once in a while. And everybody's like, why, you know, but he's still trying some things out, but I do think that the Steven Adams that we see in Memphis, like honestly, when he, when they get traded Jonas and brought in Steven Adams, I was like, okay, that's a downgrade at center, but I know what they're trying to do. So, you know, I'll be patient on it. And, you know, I, I, I won't overreact on the fact that the Grizzlies just traded, you know, Jonas and the guy that was kind of the, their leading scorer for many of the games in which, you know, Ja wasn't able to be. And he, he kind of felt like, is he part of the future plan Jonas or is he, is he not? Well, that they answered our question in the off season. And a lot of the talk in the off season was like, okay, well, Steven Adams, cool. But is this kind of a situation to where we can start moving Jaron to the five and see what we have with that and maybe see, you know, if they need another four or if Brandon Clark can step in or Xavier Tillman, what we got. But this Steven Adams, you can't he's, – he's a starting five. You know, he's legit. Yeah. And I, for one, am pleasantly surprised because I just thought of him as that dude that got Zebo suspended for the playoff game. <laughs> and I know everybody's like, that's childish to still hold that against him. I was like, I'm not holding it against him, but that's what I think of when I see Steven Adams. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, listen, it was it was a big moment for the Grizzlies trying to get back to the Western Conference Finals. And Zach Randolph gets suspended seven games for a push to the face with his fist. Like it wasn't a punch. Zach wanted to punch him. Let's get first. Zach wanted to punch him. Zach went 75 percent through the punch. And then when his fist touched Stephen Adams, cheek, he's like, oh, no, I shouldn't do this. And he kind of just mushed him kind of just pushed him with his fist yeah so Zach definitely wanted to punch him but yeah I, I get thinking about uh that moment with Steven Adams because nobody used him like this if somebody had to use Steven Adams like this we would have forgotten entirely about that moment and been like yo this is one of the best playmaking bigs in, in the NBA what, what can he do how much can he help your your team what should the Thunder at the time be doing to use him more effectively Cephalosha retired actually you retired 2021 in March. Okay. Well, congratulations and uh, happy trails, Thabo. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget that you were the guy that started over James Harden uh, <laughs> <laughs> for Oklahoma City when they were playing the Grizzlies. I never understood it. I mean, I know you need that scoring off the bench, but just, I don't know. I mean, we see what James Harden is now. Who knows? I mean, they they made it to the finals. So what do I know? Surprise! They didn't call uh, Cephalosha up for a ten day. You remember that that period in time in the NBA where yeah. everybody was getting a call up. Joe Johnson, like man. Speaking of Jamal Crawford, he announced his retirement. Uh, One of the great ISO ballers, baby. Shout out to that Wolverine. I can't believe that there's not a contender that hadn't decided to like, hey, you want to come play for a little bit? Because that dude's just a bucket points. Yeah, he just points off the come- bench. Come give us 12 to 15 minutes. What the Grizzlies did with Gilbert Arenas. Remember right. that? They brought right. Gilbert in um, for, but they brought him in about this time in the season just because they needed more production out of a backup point guard. I'm like, yo, Gilbert, 
you give us 15 minutes, man, we'll be good. Gilbert did. He played real well in his in his limited role with the Grizzlies. What if this is just a ploy by Jamal Crawford being like, teams forgot about me. I'm going to announce my retirement. Now they'll remember. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. They'll remember. I don't know. Listen. I hated Jamal Crawford and playing against him because you knew, like, anytime that shot was going up, you're like, that's going in. Oh, gosh. That's yeah, crazy. man. Jamal, one of the one of the, the people who not only we knew that about, right? Right. We work in sports. We knew that about Jamal Crawford fans. Uh, of various teams that he played on and, and opposing teams knew that about Jamal Crawford, but players know that about Jamal Crawford. The, the respect that he has in the league is, is up there with some of the, the greats. And it's because he came in and did his job and you, right. he knew what his role was and he executed that role um, to the very best of his ability. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Let's talk real quick about the, 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 week that was for the Grizzlies they went two and one finished off a four-game road trip at three and one the loss against Atlanta not necessarily what you really want to see John Morant leaves with an injury I think he's okay I think he should be good for the Brooklyn game uh, I haven't seen an update on that but I, I think he was just uh I know he sat out against Houston I think that was another day of rest and they ended up winning that one as well um every game's important now and so going three and one on that road trip against the teams that you went against I mean, that was necessary. You couldn't afford a two and two road trip. Three and one, it's about where you want to be. Uh, what's your takeaway from uh, from that road trip? That the Grizzlies are good. <laughs> no, they, that's, they go right. out there and they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. And that's what good teams do. And if you happen, just so happen to be um, record-wise, one of the two or three best teams in the NBA, that means that you can't be out here losing uh, a bunch of games to the Pacers and to the the Rockets. I know they slipped up against the Hawks, but nobody's perfect. Right. Um, also, Jaron Jackson Jr. is this team's greatest mismatch. John Morant is the star. John Morant is spectacular. Don't get me wrong, but we don't make seven footers who move the way Jaron can move and who can shoot or whose shot you have to respect the way that you have to respect Jaron Jr.'s shot and who is a rim protector, the way that Jaron Jackson Jr. is rim protector. Jaron Jackson Jr. is like, he's, he's a creative player. He's a 2K creative player, but you've got two or three different types of players rolled into this one dude. Right. So not only is he a shot blocking specialist, but he's also a three level scorer. You know, not only is he a really good uh, interior defender, but he can he can put the ball on the floor and go by you. And we don't make a lot of dudes like that. Think about what Clint Capella is. Another rim running big, really good contesting shots at the rim, but he's not putting the ball on the floor going by anybody. Same thing with Rudy Gobert. He's not going to shoot a three that makes you think, oh my gosh, I need to get out there. I need to get out there to contest this Rudy Gobert three. Right? So... I think Jaron is this team's biggest mismatch. And as long as he can stay out of foul trouble, which we hadn't had to say a ton this year, this team is, is up there and can compete with anybody in the NBA. Yeah, I, I think that's the big thing is with foul trouble. Like if he picks up fouls early, like against Houston, he didn't play that much in the first half, picked up three quick fouls. But yep. That second half, short memory, you know, he came out and he was a stud in the second half. He led a, a nice, it helped lead a nice charge with the Grizzlies. And that's what you're going to need uh, from Jaron Jackson Jr. 
Also, real quick on this uh, the, this past week, it was also a good time for them to bring back Dylan Brooks. I think um, they were they were reinserted him into the lineup. I think it's good to get him his his legs underneath them as the playoff push goes. Uh, they got ten more games left. Uh, this week is not an easy week, and they have really ten games to get Dylan Brooks like back adjusted to the entire lineup before the playoffs start. Do you think that's going to be difficult, or is it just going to be like old times? I think it'll be like old times. I think that the the system in place, the culture that is in place with the Grizzlies right now is a really, really good one. And it's evident, not, not just in um, John Morant's rise or the fact that the team is 14-2 and two, uh, without Morant, but in how the individuals are playing and shining in this system. We spent three or four minutes talking about Steven Adams' play in this system. <laughs> Right. Like right. You, you can do the same thing when you stop and think about Conchar. We think about what Zaire as a rookie has has been able to do when you stop in and take a look up and down this roster. Anthony Melton, um, how, how he's been playing Desmond Bain, how he's been playing. You, you can look at individuals playing within this system and say comfortably, hey, I don't I, while I might not know the best way for this player to be used. I do trust Taylor Jenkins to figure it out so that this player is being used to, to all of that player's potential without being a detriment to the team. And so I think, I think it'll be fine. I, I am interested. I, I'm not sure actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure if you can roll out this deep in the playoffs. Um, you may have to, depending on who uh, shows up and who doesn't. So you'll need a base six or seven like hey, right. no matter what i can count on these seven dudes and i think of the seven dudes you need to count on on this team dylan brooks is absolutely going to be one we saw what he was able to do last year against the jazz in the playoffs in that series um i think dylan lives for these types of games or those types of games and those types of moments and i think he gives you outside of job the best big time performer in a, in a big time scenario so i think it'll be fine it'll be seamless the Grizzlies have a tough week ahead. Uh, Brooklyn, Wednesday night, back-to-back with the Indiana. All these are home. They have a four-game homestand. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooklyn, Wednesday, Indiana, Thursday, Milwaukee, Saturday, and then uh, the Warriors, uh, Monday. Obviously, the biggest one is Monday. I know the the Brooklyn game is all about, you know, ESPN and everything like that and being showcased and national TV and all that. And then Milwaukee, you know, they are the uh, defending champs. But Golden State's the big one. You're one game up on them in the, uh, with for the two seed. And I know there's like, you know, the, the two and three seed, you're, you're, you're not only playing for the two seed, but – you're getting that home court in the second round. If y'all both advance, you're getting a team that had to play one game before you. So, you know, maybe they're a little bit exhausted. They don't have as much time to prepare for you because they had to play that other game in the play in game. So there's a lot of different advantages that you can gain by just getting that two spot over the three spot. Um, What would the Grizzlies like It's two and two during this four game homestand. Okay. As long as you get the one against golden state, or does it have to be, you feel like it has to be three and one, including the Golden State win? I think three and one is special. I think right. two and two is is fine. 
um, two and two, as long as it's the Golden State win. You get Indiana and Golden State. One of those. Uh, I think I think you're you're good to go. But this this is where you begin to put some separation between yourself and Golden State, and you can do that this week. Now it's not going to be easy. You you named off all the teams they had to play. The only like team below five hundred in that in the, these next four games is Indiana. Um, but still, you you still got to find a way to go out there and get the job done. And you're you're gearing up for the playoffs, so you want to be playing good teams heading into the playoffs, so that if there are some some kinks and things you need to work out, you get it exposed now, so that come playoff time you you can work through it and figure it all out. It helps to have to play the Bucks. It helps to have to play the Nets. It helps to have to play the Warriors. Um, this late in the season and that they, they are all real good, but they're good in different ways. And so it is, Hey, with the Nets, you got to have an answer for Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving, your best answer. Well, sh- hell, should you get matched up with Dallas? You're going to have to have an answer for Luca. Like they're, they're going to play that, that, that style of play. It, it, it helps to play a Milwaukee Bucks team, which has an inside dude as dominant as Giannis while the perimeter players and Drew Holiday and, and Middleton can really get up in you and make plays offensively as well. And you're going to need to be able to, to handle a team that plays like that with the ball flying around the court, constantly moving. You're going to need that because guess that's how the Jazz play. Yeah. No, they, that ball is flying around the court. So you're going to need that. And of course, the Warriors are what the Warriors are. And we know that if this is going to be, somebody's going to be the two, somebody's going to be the three. Well, then the next round, you've got to play Golden State. And so while the Grizzlies, I, I don't have their, their home and road record pulled up in front of me, but I do believe they're a bit better on the road than they are at home. But this isn't the playoffs, you know. So if you're playing them in the playoffs, you want every conceivable advantage you can get in a playoff series with the Golden State Warriors. And that that includes a home court advantage. So that that game is important as well. You throw Indiana in there for for giggles, I guess. I don't know. They're just there. <laughs> I mean, I know Steph Curry is uh, he's out, but you don't need to take the team lightly. I mean, Golden State, uh, they the Grizzlies got some help uh, with this from the Spurs Sunday night. So the Grizzlies are a game and a half up on on Golden State, but you know they have Orlando uh, Tuesday night, and then they got Miami. That's obviously a tough game uh, Wednesday. Then they got Atlanta. That's kind of a I don't know. Like Atlanta's been hit or miss all season. I mean, we've seen that with them. And then you got the Wizards the night before they take on the Grizzlies. So a pair of back-to-backs in there for the Warriors. Some games easier than others, but yeah, the Grizzlies just definitely need to go and take care of business. Uh, and don't 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 give them any breathing room because you just you just gotta take that two seed. You gotta take it. Absolutely, absolutely. Grizzlies, I just look 24 and 10 at home, 25 and 13 on the road. So it's not not a drastic noticeable difference uh, between home record and road record, but come playoff time, you want that home crowd there. We've seen what the, the home atmosphere is like at FedEx forum, oh, yeah. uh, especially this, this 2020 year when everybody started getting back out there and doing stuff and, and you can feel the vibe change and it does feel like a hostile environment for teams to come play in. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because it, it just, it's the, the attendance has gotten back to where it was around the, the height of the grit grind era. I, mm-hmm. I know we keep comparing these, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like the two. It's on, the only points. two successful eras, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we had the, we had Hubie ball. We, you know, oh, they made yeah. the playoffs then, but 
they tasted some playoff success with the grit grind era, and that was kind of lay the that was laying the foundation of what we what we're seeing now. But I mean, you go there on a random Tuesday, and usually, you know, you get you get the season ticket holders. You get some people that are like, all right, well, you know, I'll go check out a game, or it's sometimes it's who they're playing. You know, you get a random Tuesday night against I don't know. I'm not going to throw out a team there because I'm not going to put. Okay, we'll say Indiana. Let's just throw Indiana. There we go. That's a great one to throw out there. You throw out Indiana. I imagine there's going to be, it's going to be at least three quarters full. It'll be a Thursday night game following a big emotional game against Brooklyn. I bet you it'll be three quarters full at least on a random Thursday. And we, we, Mm -hmm. we just didn't see that. I I would expect, you know, packed house against Brooklyn, packed house against Milwaukee and packed house against Golden State. But it's that Indiana game that was always like, feels like it was lacking a little bit. Those type Mm -hmm. of matchups. We're not seeing that anymore. It's people want to get their ticket. They want to go see John Morant. They want to root on the Grizzlies. And you're also seeing that a lot more too. Like the Golden State game, it was like mixed with, you know, cheers and boos whenever Steph Curry would hit a shot. Now it's like the the cheers are getting drowned out by boos because the Grizzly, mm-hmm. there are so many more Grizzly fans than Warrior fans, and they're just – they're tired of it. You know, it's <laughs> – it is what it is. That's that's kind of how it feels. It's like the disrespect, yeah. you know, you've never been to Oakland or San Francisco or whatever. I mean, I get it. I'm a Raider fan. I've, I've been to Vegas, never been to Oakland, <laughs> but you know, it's still, it's like, you know, you, you got that vibe around it's, Everybody's on board and it's yeah. great. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole lot of fun. So not, not to shamelessly plug the, the Grizzlies, but you might want to go get you a ticket dog and go check that out. We can sit up here and try and describe um, what it's like inside that arena, but we're we're not going to do it justice, man. It, it's just something that you you have to experience and feel for your yourself. What's the number nine hundred one AA hoop? Yes, that's three eights and a and a hoop. Give yeah, it, give them a call, easy. man. Get your tickets. Exactly, nine hundred one eight 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 hoop, or clickgrizzlies.com. or do that, baby, <laughs> or do that. <laughs> Many right. ways to go out there and find these tickets, y'all. All right, CJ, I appreciate you coming on. Y'all got anything special coming up in the next week or so uh, for Grind City? Uh, you know, I don't want to say too much, but we are. There is some potential for some of your favorite uh, ESPN personalities to join. Uh, some of your favorite Grind City media shows, be it Rise and Grind with Jessica and Megan or the Chris Vernon show or, or anything that Kelsey Wright Johnson has uh, going on and, and so on and so forth. So we are. We are trying this week, like we try every single day and every single week to try and bring the the best content, the best guests, and, and the best coverage for your hometown, Memphis Grizzlies. So it's one of those stay tuned situations. Stay right? tuned, that's, baby. That's a, that's, a, that's a good tease there, uh, CJ. That's what we call it in the industry, Ben. You know what's up. <laughs> Where can people find your stuff? Uh, Grind City Media. GrindCityMedia.com. Um, hop on YouTube, Grind City Media on, on YouTube. You can watch the, the shows there. You can also watch on grindcitymedia.com. Like I said, uh, HBCU Huddle with me and Mike Wallace. You can check that out on grindcitymedia.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast from, whatever you use. I don't know what, what, what we're using for, for podcasts these days. <laughs> but if you if you if you got podcasts on your phone, on your computer, you can definitely find uh, HBCU huddle, man. Oh, follow me on, on Twitter at con radicalness, um, C O N R A D. And then figure it out from there. That's the best I got for you. A new underscore con radicalness on Instagram. 
hop on there and, and check me out as well. Um, and I think that's everywhere I'm at. Holla at me when you see me in the streets, baby. <laughs> Come holla at your boy. I love getting stopped. I'm at the grocery store at Super Low getting stopped by, by a dude who, who likes to work, man. So y'all see me out here. I'm friendly. Come on, let me. <laughs> That's always fun, man. I appreciate uh, you giving me about 45 minutes of your time today. Uh, I know you're a busy man. We, we listed down everything that you're doing. So I, I appreciate you carving <laughs> out a few minutes and uh, checking in, talking Grizzlies with you, CJ. Always a pleasure, Ben. Anything for you, homie. You know, MSL crew got to stick together, baby. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That'll do it for this week's edition of the 3 and D podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Network. Until next week, thank you all and go Grizz.